0: This is Chris Reynolds and welcome to the Entrepreneur House podcast. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for six and seven figure entrepreneurs creating events and retreats all over the world. Picture yourself spending four weeks with other high-level entrepreneurs in the northern mountains of Thailand this coming October and November 2017. It will be full of masterminds, workshops, advisors, like-minded entrepreneurs, and of course some fun adventure. If you're ready to take your business to the next level with other successful entrepreneurs, be sure to At theentrepreneurhouse.com. On today's episode, we are joined by the international entrepreneur and speaker Paul Austin. Paul is the founder of ToeflSpeakingTeacher.com and currently on a world tour, speaking in many different countries about thinking bigger, expanding your thought process, and productivity. He joins us on this episode to chat about the growth of his business and what he has learned about replacing himself. Paul and I also chat for a while about Chiang Mai, Thailand. This has been known for a few years as the digital nomad capital of the world. Paul and I chat about the benefits of living there and what cities compare to that. And with that, let's jump into the show. Welcome, Paul. How are you today?
1: Hey, Chris. I'm great, man. Thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. Hey, thanks for coming on the show.
0: And where are you calling in from?
1: Uh, I'm actually currently sitting in a friend's studio apartment on Wall Street um, in New York City. I'm here for... a. Uh, About 11 more hours till I fly out to Norway this evening. And uh,
0: I hear you have a big European tour scheduled and I'd love to get into that here in a little bit. But we're going to start off, Paul, we want to get to know you as the entrepreneur you are today. So if you could share your past and um, the businesses that you have going today so the listeners can learn more about you.
1: Yeah, I'd love to share that. Um, So I think, you know, I I talk about this in some of the talks that I give, but our our stories always start from birth. But I think the best place to pick it up is probably um, Chiang Mai, uh, which is, I don't, we met in Bangkok, I believe, at the the DC conference, but um, we also hung out in Chiang Mai a little bit after that. And I moved to Chiang Mai in December of 2014. I had, previous to that, I had taught English in Turkey for a year. I taught the TOEFL test, Mm -hmm. uh, which is the test of English as a foreign language. It's a standardized test that um, non native English speakers will take so that they can go to university in the States. They can start working and get their certification as like a pharmacist or a physical therapist or a doctor. And so I was teaching this standardized test to uh, a number of high school students in Izmir, Turkey, for about a year. And after that, or during that time period, I started to get really interested in kind of this digital nomad lifestyle. Back in 2012, it was really hot. Um, It was really popular, uh, even more so than it is now. It was just kind of coming into the mainstream. And so I read a lot of articles and did a lot of research. And I thought, this is a cool lifestyle to live. So basically what I did is any off time that I had, both at work, but also at home when I was living in Turkey, I spent and dedicated to educating myself. Um, reading dozens of books about uh, marketing, about um, sales, about, you know, building a business, entrepreneurship. Uh, I did this program called Copy Hour uh, with Derek Johansson, which is basically like copying out uh, by hand sales letters and pages and emails to get a sense for how to be persuasive and how to um uh, yeah kind of convince people through the art of writing to take certain actions and so really throughout that year that i spent teaching english in turkey i, I kind of laid the groundwork for when i moved, made that move to chiang mai uh, and i previous to that i taught english one-on-one um through some websites just kind of getting a sense for how it goes online how to work with people online through skype But at some point, I knew I needed to make the commitment to to doing my own thing. And I knew Chiang Mai was a great place to do that because it has such a low cost of living. So I moved there December 2014. A few months prior to that, I had started this website, TOEFLSpeakingTeacher.com. And the focus of that website was to provide online learning materials, so self-study materials, private lessons, group lessons, to students who needed to take uh, the TOEFL test. And so I moved to Chiang Mai and i lived in chiang mai for like a 5 month period from december 2014 to may 2015 and through that time period really kind of did that grind of uh, that every initial entrepreneur goes through where you know i i kind of felt like my back was against the wall um and like if i didn't make this happen if i didn't make it succeed that you know i'd have to figure something else out and i didn't want to figure something else out i wanted to commit to being able to run a remote business, to travel where I wanted, to um, explore life as I felt like. And I, I, I saw this opportunity as the best way to do that. So it was a lot of, you know, 10-hour workdays, 12-hour workdays, 60-hour weeks, 70-hour weeks. Um, and the nice part about Chiang Mai is you can do that. Um, it's, it's a smaller city, about a million people who live there. So there aren't a lot of distractions necessarily. Um, it's not like a New York city or San Francisco or even a Bangkok. It's, it's, it can be quiet. And so with the time that I had there, I pretty much all that information that I learned that I had kind of passively consumed when I lived in Turkey, I then kind of put to work. And I actually went through the process of seeing how I could apply it and, and went through a tremendous growth process over that five months. And so after that five months, I was starting to generate revenue, and it wasn't a lot. Um, It was enough to live in Chiang Mai. Um, It was enough to travel where I wanted uh, without having to dip into my savings. It was enough to hire a a part-time person or two, Um, but it wasn't a lot, and and I think that um, that's something that's pretty common. It it takes some time when you're first starting as an entrepreneur because I was only 24 when I moved to Chiang Mai. Uh, so, you know, starting that first business of anything, I hadn't really had any previous work experience. It just takes a lot of momentum and motivation. And when that finally got up and going, it wasn't until probably, uh, when I moved back to Chiang Mai a second time in September, 2015, that it really started to gain momentum. And then by the time I left Chiang Mai in February, 2016, I had a pretty substantial business on my hand and something that was generating, uh, enough revenue to build a team and and start to really take things to the next level.
0: Let's talk about the evolution of your business. You know, you got this idea and you started working it out part-time and then getting to the point where it was full-time and then creating a, a good source of income. And now you're actually getting to the point where you're removing yourself from the business. And I'd like to learn a little bit more about Kind of the mentality that you had around that growth, did you go in starting a business knowing that you wanted to eventually replace yourself and go on to further things?
1: So no, I did not go in to building that initial business with the ideal of um, taking myself out of it. And I might have, when I first started that business, I might have told you that, yeah, one day I want to bring myself out of it, but the way that I built it was... It, it didn't have that long-term objective or long-term vision in mind, which which isn't a mistake uh, to some degree. Uh, on, on my behalf, I was it was the first business that I had started. I um, the, the focus of it really was just to become like a really well-paid private tutor, uh, one-on-one for students. You know, I wanted to make eighty, eighty, you know, eighty bucks an hour. I was like, that is awesome. If I can make eighty dollars an hour teaching private lessons. Um, to students, and I can work remotely in Chiang Mai. You know, I can I can live like a king. Um, so initially going into it, I, I didn't really have that mindset. Unfortunately, because now that I am trying to work on building the processes to take myself out of it, there's a lot of extra work that needs to be done to make sure that that happens. And it's not impossible; it can definitely happen. Uh, but there are just challenges that I'll have to navigate. That. If I had had that objective going in long term, I wouldn't have to navigate. So I'm actually going and getting another business I'm going right now. And with that second business, you know, I have that long term objective or that long term goal in mind in terms of how I'm building it. But, um, you know, back back to TOEFL. So I was like, if I can make 80 bucks an hour, awesome. And eventually I was like, oh, I can make 80 bucks an hour and I can teach a bunch. But this is getting kind of boring. Like I've kind of mastered mm-hmm. this this skill of teaching I can do it with my eyes closed. Uh, It's really not much of a challenge anymore. Uh, So let's hire some other teachers and teach them how to teach. So I hired three other part-time teachers and kind of plugged them in to do and handle a lot of the private lessons, built the processes, built like an online curriculum that they could follow and and teach to the students, uh, kind of tried to systemize it as much as possible. Um, And then I was like, well, if they're all teaching private lessons, now I can teach group lessons. So that's and I'm still doing that a little bit. So that's closer than to 200 to 250 dollars an hour, but it's still to the point where I'm like, okay, I can make that. But at the same time, from from like a, a five year plan or a ten year plan, five years from now, I still I don't want to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, five years from now, I don't want to be. I, I really don't want to be teaching group lessons at all. Um, I, I want to be. Building bigger things that change and have more of a, a wider impact on society at large. And if I'm limiting myself to dish, to just teaching group lessons, well, that's an issue. And so now I'm trying. I'm I'm in that phase of okay. I've plugged teachers in to teach the private lessons. I've got them going. So now what I'm doing is these teachers who've been teaching for me for about eight months for the for the part time private lessons. I'm now saying okay, I want I want you guys to come in and start shadowing me when I teach group lessons, right? Start coming to the group lessons. You don't have to teach them at all. Just sit there, watch, learn, observe. And I'm grooming them then eventually to be able to take over these group lessons that we're teaching as well. So it's whenever you're phasing yourself out of a business, it's definitely a, a step-by-step-by-step process. It's not like it just happens one day, right. you know, and all of a sudden you're out. It's, you know, I started teaching one-on-one Private lessons in October 2014 for forty dollars an hour with that website. You know now I'm teaching group lessons uh, about two and a half years later for two hundred and fifty dollars an hour. Um, so it, it's been a great transition point, and 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 because of that leverage, I've been able to to establish as a result of charging premium prices, I free up time to then build the backend processes uh, to to hire other teachers to come in and take over certain responsibilities so it's and this is the first time i've done it as well right it's 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 not something i've done before so it's 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 a lesson it's it's a lesson in process and i'm i'm continuing to learn and discover the the best way to go about it
0: so paul i'm curious what are some of the key things you've learned about replacing
1: yourself it's a really good question uh, it's difficult <laughs> you know it, it is if you build a business around yourself it's diff- it, it makes it incredibly difficult to replace yourself so uh, for example with this TOEFL business that I started a lot of my lead generation was initially through YouTube videos and in all those YouTube videos I'm the only person talking I'm the only person teaching I'm the person that people want to interact with and and, and talk to and be taught by and so when you have part of your lead generation Um, being so based on you, a personal brand, it becomes difficult to replace yourself. I think there's also an aspect of self-knowledge that comes as a result of trying to replace yourself in terms of, okay, this is how I teach. This is what I'm good at. This is what I'm not good at. and, And also breaking things down into very specific measurables to get clarity around them so that you can actually teach people how to do the same exact thing. And so I think in replacing yourself within a business, especially if you're trying to transition from a business that's branded around yourself mm-hmm. to a business that is uh, scalable to a business that you can eventually sell, you, you have to be able to look into the minute details to understand them and then to be able to teach them to these other people that you're hiring You have to be able to understand how to delegate. You have to be able to understand, you know, what roles people fit within. So it goes from learning, for example, in my position, it goes from learning how to be a really good teacher to using those skills that I learned as a teacher and learning how to build a really good team. And I think team building is the essence of um, creating a profitable, um, sustainable business model for the long term, you know, organizational culture, uh, how you hire for certain roles, how you delegate certain activities, how you inspire and motivate certain people to do things, and these are intangibles. These are these are soft skills and these are difficult skills, but they're necessary if you want to build a team that you can scale up and and um, uh, you know eventually pull yourself out of. Ideally,
0: Paul, I know you mentioned you used YouTube and and I think you've done some Facebook videos to grow your business and i'm curious what were the main vehicles for the growth of the business
1: yeah i think the the main vehicle of growth was referrals probably 50 50 probably half my clients now come from eh, it's changing now as i as i get more systems built for lead generation so like a big part of lead generation now that we have is like doing a webinar once every two months where we will send out an automated um like an evergreen sequence to our email list Uh, for all these people who opt in over the new two months. We'll get them in on a webinar. Uh, We do a giveaway in conjunction with the webinar to incentivize people to share the webinar with as many people as possible. And so we usually get about a thousand people to sign up per webinar. Um, And that has become a really good lead generation tool now. Uh, in terms of getting more and more people in the funnel, putting them through the process, selling them on what we have, and um, then, you know, ideally getting referrals on the back end. Initially, though, a lot of my clients came from referrals. It was like, you know, I, one of the uh, types of people that I teach are uh, teachers in Texas. Mm-hmm. So these are people largely from um, Spanish-speaking countries, a lot of people from Spain, Uh, but also from Central America, South America, also people from other, like, Russians. Uh, There's a lot of uh, interest in the Russian language in in Texas specifically as well. Really? So, yeah, yeah, surprisingly. Um, So with that, for example, I started working with a few clients in Houston, Texas, from Spain, and all these teachers, they work with other teachers, right? And so eventually I help them. I help them get the score that they need. They pass this test and they tell all their friends about me. And I now have that in three cities in Texas I have that in Houston, I have that in Dallas, and I have that in Austin. And that's been, you know, for the first year and a half of my business, that was the biggest lead generator is just helping people. Right? If you help people succeed, they're going to tell their friends about it and you're going to get more and more clients as a result. And if you can do that in conjunction, With them building out scalable lead generation systems, you're going to have an excellent business model where not only are you obviously helping people, but the more leads you generate, the more people that get into your system outside of the referral network, the more referrals you're going to generate anyway. Because if you've built a scalable, repeatable business process that works, it's it's just going to keep growing and growing and growing as a result of that.
0: What would you do differently based on what you've learned from growing a business?
1: That's a, that, so my, my theory, <laughs> my theory is nothing. Okay. Um, but I, I will, I will, di- I, I will digress into that specific question. Cause I, I get, I, I understand what you're getting at. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, nothing that I did would be possible if I hadn't learned it going through it myself. Yeah. Uh, people told me when I first started my business, oh, you know, you should build this to be scalable, you should take yourself like even before I'd even really started the business, and I had said, "Oh yeah, of course, like that's <laughs> the I'll do that," and then I didn't do it. Um, and so I think there's certain lessons to be learned from just going through all the bullshit yourself, you know, going through the process yourself, and just learning it the hard way. Uh, and so I think if so, for someone like me, my energy, uh, my motivation my the objectives that I wanted to accomplish I I set you know a one-year goal or or a three-year vision you know things that I wanted to work up to Mm -hmm. and I have this understanding in myself that eventually I'll get there as long as I want it enough eventually I'll get there as long as I want it enough and things will fall into place the behaviors that I have the behaviors that I do on a daily basis a weekly basis a monthly basis I will naturally adapt and And learn to be able to put myself in a position to accomplish what I want to accomplish eventually, and I think that learning by trial and error is like my best way of doing things however to to answer your question uh, more more specifically in the vein that that you were you were um, implying, mm-hmm. I think you know if, if I had to go back and I had to do it again, I would a like I've already touched on before, set up my business initially with a strategy and a model that is easy to pull myself out of. Uh, set up a business that I can scale, uh, set up myself in a position where it's not building it around a personal brand. And to be honest, a lot of people say this. Uh, who you know, A lot of people build their first business around a personal brand of some sort, whether that's freelancing, whether that's consulting, whether that's like graphic design, copywriting, uh, teaching, a lot of people build that and they understand after they go through that process that if they want to build something bigger, if they want to have more of an impact that they have to get out of that. But they don't know that, they can't learn that until they go through that process themselves of trying to kind of build out an income around a personal brand. So I think one, I would build it out with a different long term objective in mind. I wouldn't build it out around myself. Um, I think, two, I wouldn't be so hard on myself. Uh, I'd be more patient with myself. I felt like when I moved to Chiang Mai in December 2014 that I had to make a lot of money right away. You know, I had to be successful as soon as possible. It, it, it's really sexy to, to mm-hmm. look at this, these success stories that we see about people who, who build, you know, multi-million dollar businesses. Um, there, there's a certain sex appeal to that and, and we want to believe that we'll be just as successful as them and that we can do it in half the time and unless you're like uh, the 0.1% that can actually do that, it's just it's not a feasible option and so I think I would have been a bit more patient with myself. I would have been a bit nicer to myself. I, I, I used to set really high expectations for myself. I used to have really high demands for myself. And whenever, whenever I wouldn't achieve those things, whenever I, I thought I wasn't working hard enough, whenever I thought I wasn't being productive enough, I would you know criticize myself. And I would have this voice in the back of my head that would criticize myself. And I think part of that was because I didn't have a lot of money coming in. And so I was worried, I was concerned that, you know, am I going to make it? Am I not going to make it? Is this going to work out? Am I going to be successful? I think part of it, though, was just within both the digital nomad lifestyle, but also an entrepreneurial lifestyle, there's this external pressure of people talking up themselves and and trying to be perceived as more successful than they actually are. Mm -hmm. That creates this pressure to really perform. And I think that's negative. I think there should be more of an emphasis on patience. I think there should be more of an emphasis on following, you know, your heart and doing something that's meaningful and purposeful. I see so many people in this lifestyle, the digital nomad lifestyle, but also business lifestyle, who get involved in projects, um, like who get involved in projects that I think they'll get sick of in like two years hmm. or they'll get sick of in like one year. Uh, you know, we, we see, we see this on like a yearly rolling basis with, with some people in this lifestyle, you know, affiliate marketing is, is an aspect of this. Drop shipping is an aspect of this. Um, I think, you know, Amazon FBA is this as well. It's like yeah. these trendy things that pop up. People go like, yeah, you can make a bunch of money doing this. You know, um, you can, you can scale up really quick. Your revenue numbers are going to go sky, <laughs> And I'm, and for me, and again, this is just me. I totally I, – I, I have friends who do this. I, 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 this is not a, a perspective of judgment. It's more just saying from my perspective, I want to get involved in something that has meaning and purpose. And it's something that I want to be doing 10 years from now. Right. Um, it's, it, I want to be building up to that. It's not something that has like a one-year short-term thing. So I think that's also the thing that I would do differently is you know, I, I started my project just wanting to make a buck. I I needed to make something, and there's nothing wrong with that. Everyone goes through that who's first starting off. However, transitioning out of that to a project that has a lot of meaning, has a lot of purpose, where the incentive isn't money. Um, With this new project that I'm getting involved in, my incentive is not to make a lot of money. My incentive is to make an impact in a way that means a lot to me and that helps a lot of other people. And whether I'm making hundred thousand a year or whether i'm making five hundred thousand dollars a year doesn't matter uh, i just want to wake up every day and and be motivated and not feel overwhelmed and not feel stressed and not feel the sort of external pressure that i need to perform and just allow myself to be and to work on the projects that i feel um, i connect with the most Makes perfect sense.
0: So Paul, you mentioned some of the great things about Chiang Mai and the low cost of living. I'm curious why you decided to move to Chiang Mai. What initially attracted you to the city?
1: I think the community. um, A community more than anything. And again, that, that of course, I think everything ties back to that low cost of living. Everything does tie back to this sense of being able to bootstrap yourself uh, when you're living in Chiang Mai, I think you know my budget was about $800 dollars a month. I lived in an apartment in Santi Tom, which was 150 dollars a month. Uh, I rented a motorbike for about 90 dollars a month. Um, I ate out you know most meals every day for about 10 bucks a day. And uh, had a CrossFit membership for about seventy bucks a month, so it ended up being you know $800, 900 dollars a month. And and then the community that I was able to find there, you know, I moved to Chiang Mai literally knowing zero people. I knew not a single soul when I moved to Chiang Mai. Um, but but I had done that before when I had uh, lived in Turkey when I taught English there. I moved there without knowing a single person as well. So it wasn't the first time that I had done it. And so for that reason, I felt comfortable and confident in knowing that if I put myself out there. Uh, that I would meet people. And so uh, I, do you know who Ben Kruger is? I do. Okay, yeah. So Ben runs Cashflow Podcasting. He's a great dude. I had had a previous interview with Ben in mid-2013. Ben had like an opening for his Authority Engine podcast. I applied for it. We did an interview. I didn't get the position, which was was for the best. But uh, Ben and I got along really well. So about a year and a half later, when I moved to Chiang Mai, I sent Ben an email. And I'm like, hey, Ben, you know, I'm in town. You know, if, uh, I hope you remember me. We had an interview. I would love to uh, meet up for coffee or lunch sometime. And he's like, you know, sure thing. You know, we're, we're having this wine and cheese night at my apartment. Come on over. Right. So I, I show up there and um, just there were probably like 10 or 12 people there, all of whom I'm now or many of, of whom I'm now really good friends with. Um, and because I had just sent that email to Ben, And just kind of put myself out there, and because I showed up and didn't know anyone, just in a room full of strangers, uh, when I moved to Chiang Mai, you know, that ended up leading to uh, me having the opportunity to go go up to Pai for Christmas, like a week later, at Ian Border's house, with with all these people doing like a pig roast out and pig cook, Um, and through that, I was really able to cement an initial community of people that i really got along with and i and i really felt that uh, i connected with and so you know looking back you know although the initial impetus to move to chiang mai was largely financially driven there was also you know underneath that it was the sense of tapping into a developing or growing community where i could meet other entrepreneurs and talk to other entrepreneurs and and you know just, you know, were the average of the five people that we spend the most time around. And I knew that by moving to Chiang Mai, I, I would meet those people that I really wanted to to spend time with.
0: Now, for me, Chiang Mai is kind of like a university campus for digital nomads and location independent entrepreneurs. And I'm curious, you know, you, you talk very highly of it. And I love it. I think it's one of the best places that I found in the world to really do two things. One, sit down and get a lot of work done and be very productive actually three things meet the people you need to meet like you mentioned and also have a ton of adventure at your beck and call Mm -hmm. and when I walk around Chiang Mai I I really do I feel like I'm on a university campus back in college you know I got my friends from this department and that department I see them all the time up on Neiman Road do you feel the same
1: yeah, I mean I absolutely feel the same but I want to add to that. I don't think it's just Chiang Mai where I felt that. Um okay. that has that has been the case in almost every city that I've traveled to and lived in as a, as someone who is a digital nomad or you know working remotely. Um Chiang Mai it, I think it's the strongest there because everyone Like, uh, Clayton Cornell was the first person who I heard this from. Um, and Clayton runs this really cool website called Spartan Traveler. Do you know Clayton? I do. Yeah. He's a great guy. Yeah. I I really have a lot of respect for that guy. I have a lot of time for that guy. Um, he's, he's just a phenomenal human being. Uh, and I was talking to him about this and he was the first person who I heard that from Chris about how like Chiang Mai is a university town. I think he was living above Akaama. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I'd look down the hallway and I'd see like three or four people that I knew, <laughs> you know, and it, would, it was literally just like living in a dorm in college. Uh, and, and, and that's great. Uh, but what I noticed is it wasn't just for me that it happened in Chiang Mai. I was recently living in Lisbon, uh, Portugal mm-hmm. for, for four months. And um, a lot of people who were living in Lisbon, I had actually met and developed relationships with when I lived in Chiang Mai. And it's kind of like once... You know, Chiang Mai is great to start off in living there, but I'm not sure if I could do it long term Yeah. Uh, because it's, you know, for example, riding a scooter is very dangerous and I'd like to live as long as possible. <laughs> um, and for me, it's like I, I got away with it for a year without without any mi- major issues. I had a minor uh, scrape, but no major issues. But like moving to Europe is just it's public transport. It's Western Europe. Things work a little bit better. So we all move there. And it was the same thing, you know, when I was living in Lisbon. It's like you meet your friends, you go to the gym with them, you go and get dinner with them every night, you meet them at the the cafe, and and you you kind of co-work with them, and there's this sense of community, Mm -hmm. like this really, really strong sense of community where I felt at home, even living in a place like Lisbon where I'd never really traveled before, and that was because of the people there. And so when I go back home uh, to my real home where I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan, it, for me, it's a little sad to go home because, like, I have all these college friends that I, that I met. Um, they still hang out, but it's like they hang out once every two weeks or once every three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're working their normal traditional jobs, uh, Monday through Friday. Uh, many of them have girlfriends or are married, so it's like they they kind of keep themselves isolated in their suburban homes, and there's it's a little lonely um, to to go there, and I and I feel like. For me, that's the coolest thing about this lifestyle. It's like people want to hang out all the time. And those people, I share a lot of similarities with, a lot of commonalities with. So it's like I'm always enjoying my time with them. You know,
0: Makes sense. Paul, my friend, I think we're going to have to wrap up there. If the listeners want to reach out to you to learn more about you and what you have going on, where's the best place they can do that at?
1: Yeah, I think – the best, probably the best place is just my, my TOEFL speaking teacher website. So TOEFL, T O E um, F L speaking teacher dot com. You can find me through there. Uh, find me on Facebook, Paul Austin. You know, add me or send me a message on Facebook. Uh, I, I love, you know, if people have questions about this, this type of lifestyle, if they have questions about how to get involved, questions, how to build up, you know, what resources to use, I'd love to love to help out in any way possible. So yeah, probably Facebook, uh, my website are the two best places.
0: Paul, we have to give you a big thank you for coming on the show. My friend, we really enjoyed your story and learning more and more about you. And thank you for sharing your wisdom and your tips and tricks with the listeners. We really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Chris. It was a pleasure to to speak with you about this topic.
0: And listeners, we're going to wrap up there. Thanks for joining us on another episode, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye, everybody. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for six and seven figure entrepreneurs. Imagine spending an extended period of time with other successful entrepreneurs working together and growing your business. Day to day you interact with other driven and smart business people. Spending an extended period of time around them alters your business and your mentality around business. Goals are set, business grows, new partnerships develop, greater profit margins are achieved, the productivity skyrockets for attendees, and you get to have an incredible adventure while doing it. This year, our main event will be held in Chiang Mai, Thailand. It is four weeks from October 26th to November 24th and held for six and seven-figure entrepreneurs only. It will be full of workshops, masterminds, advisors, co-working, and fun weekend social events. Be sure to check out the details at TheEntrepreneurHouse.com as soon as possible. This event will fill up fast. For those of you that are interested and have some questions, be sure to contact us through theentrepreneurhouse.com forward slash contact. We will respond as soon as possible. For now, saludos from somewhere in the world.